Hello and good day everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magic the First Pioneers podcast. This podcast is all about the Pioneer format and we keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Pioneer. I am joined here by my co-host and a brand new guest. Hey everybody, this is Ryan coming at you from the Tokyo area of Japan, uh, Yokohama, and uh, today our guest is, if you don't mind introducing yourself and whatever you know you want people to call you as well as maybe what people know you would know you by, so... Please go ahead. Of course. Of course. Hi there. Uh, my name's Steve, uh, but you may know me as Nobody Knows I'm a Dog on Twitter and Twitch. Uh, I mainly play Pioneer on uh, MTGO, and uh, I've had one or two decent results, uh, which means I'm here tonight to talk about my favorite deck. Yes. Yeah, so like top three of the Swiss in the Monitraders, I want to say. That's correct, yeah. Back when, here we go. <laughs> Almost top one, we, we saw that. Yeah, so if you guys have heard me, I know that I've talked about um, Nobody Knows That a Dog stream a few times. I'm a big fan of it. Um, definitely what we wanted to bring you on, and I think what you're known for recently, is Winota in Pioneer, which is a deck that's really been blowing up this season and becoming one of the main meta decks, I would almost say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was really surprising for me, uh, to be honest, but uh, looking at all of the new lists uh, that have been played uh, in the last few months since uh, since particularly the release of um, Midnight Hunt, um, mm-hmm. it's it's been really interesting and trying... I, I'm not even sure we're at the best build yet, so I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to discussing that with you tonight. How, how long... I, yeah. Sorry, I was going to ask, how long have you been playing the deck? Like, when did you start? When did you first pick up uh, Winona? Um, I've been playing it for at least a year. Um, I picked it up relatively near the start of the Pioneer format. Um, my first big result was actually a Pioneer, the first season of um, Pioneer showcases on mm-hmm. uh, MTGO. Um, I went under a different name at that point. I have had a, a name change on MTGO since then. But um, that was my first big result with the deck. And uh, I think that was before the Walking Ballista ban. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of dates it a bit. We still had lot. We had lots of Lotus Field. We had lots of uh, Heliod Combo. Um, yeah, it was a very different time. So you've, you've played it for a long time. That means you have like uh, kind of like a knowledge of what it was before and what it is now, why it became better. So that that's perfect. You know, I'm going to pick your brain, you know, about this deck. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be happy to. I'm just happy to talk about my favorite deck with you, to be honest. <laughs> perfect. And that's, that's what I usually like to dig into, too, is, you know, kind of how the deck has grown, evolved, why some of the card choices are the specific card choices they are and uh if you've known you know i'm always pestering you i think like oh hey have you tried this weird card uh, i do that to everybody so that's what we like to do is when we bring people on is kind of take a deep dive into the deck see exactly why people are playing the card choices that they are as well as get a little bit of an idea as the deck as a whole um some of the matchups etc you know pretty much ready we want to jump into it yeah yeah let's um, go do we it. have a current deck list that we want to be looking at while we're discussing this list here i think we have um, the mana so, traders one right if that's where you'd that. like to start, then yeah, uh, we can do the Mana Traders list, uh, which is my most recent list that uh, I've put up results with. So that was like a month ago, we said? Right. Yeah. And that's that's fine. I think, yeah, September 21, 21, we have the list there. You got it there, Kevin? 
Yep, and I do also see that you linked one that's a little bit more recent from what's been doing popular on Moto right now. Okay, great. So let's take a look a little bit at the deck. So main idea of the deck is that this is a Winota Joiner Forces deck. Uh, I, I don't know if you want to introduce it and kind of give the yeah, what, yeah. what you like and don't like. Of course. So, what, so, it, I mean, what is Naya? So, I mean, uh, if you've played Standard in the last year or so, uh, I'm pretty sure you know what Winota is. But uh, <laughs> if you've not been playing Standard or uh, recent Pioneer, for that matter, uh, you may not know uh, roughly what the deck's trying to do. And it may just look like a pile of green, red and white humans and non-humans. Um, at its core, that's what it is. But it's... Uh, there's a lot more depth to it in the card choices that you make. Um, generally, uh, it starts off with a, a base of mana creatures, uh, and it runs anywhere between 8 to 12 of those. Um, in this list that I ran for mana traders, I ran uh, some copies of Elvish Mystic, some copies of Lanoir Elves, um, and I think this was actually the first event where I tried uh, Jaspera Sentinel, uh, which was printed at uh, Common in Kaldheim, I believe. Um, now, so, uh, bleh, sorry, so that makes yeah. the start of it, because um, it lets you play your turn three, to, it lets you play your three mana creatures, four mana creatures out quicker, mm -hmm. basically. That's just their core function. Um, the next part of it, which I would say is the most, uh, it's, it's the most kind of variety, is kind of what two drops uh, you run, because uh, sometimes you just run barely any. Mm -hmm. um, and some decks, uh, so based on the, how... Ooh, sorry. Ooh, uh, Not a problem. No worries. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, I'm getting tangled yeah. in my words. So, the two drops that the deck runs uh, can vary from list to list. Um, the one thing that has been staying the same in most recent times is four copies of uh, Prosperous Innkeeper. Mm -hmm. which I would go as far as to say is probably the best card that has come out for Naya Winota um, since I started playing the deck. Um, there was a noticeable difference in the hands you could keep uh, and the games that you ended up winning um, based on whether you had a Prosperous Innkeeper in your opening hand or not. Um, it's, it's a really unassuming two-drop, but... Uh, just like because you, you really you, you look at it and you're like okay it's a one-time ramp it's one treasure mm -hmm. um the life gain probably doesn't matter that much but in in conjunction with cards like eldritch evolution and with uh just Bear sentinel mm. um it lets you have some really really fast starts and more importantly it lets you get really consistent um early four mana creatures which mm -hmm. is what the deck's aiming to do um, you want to be playing an Essica's Chariot or a Winota Joiner of Forces on turn three as often as you can. Um, that's the main goal of the deck. And um, the reason it runs so many one-mana mana dorks and your Prosperous Innkeepers and your Eldritch Evolutions are specifically to play towards that. I um, had a question real quick. Of course. Um so you say you want to play one drops. Why play Jasper Sentinel over something like the uh, Gilded Goose? So that that's definitely one of the questions I was going to go into when we yeah. if, if we want to break down as we're going through the categories here. You know, we can kind of lump Prosperous Innkeeper in with the mana creatures, and I think they're yeah the big, the first big decision point. And I know I've asked you about this before is Jasper Sentinel versus Gilded Goose, 
as the you know ninth and tenth copy usually of Monodorks. What would you say is the advantage of either one, or is there a better definite one? So it's funny you should say that because uh, I think I remember you asking me this before, and at <laughs> yes, the time I, think I may have. At the time, I couldn't even give you a good answer. Um, <laughs> when you asked me at the time, oh, why would you run this over Gilded Goose? I kind of thought, oh well. Uh, uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. get back to you on that one. Yeah. Um, I've had more time to think about it, and to be honest, um, the main factors for it are down to Jasper Sentinel having uh, reach uh, mm-hmm. and being repeatable in the sense that uh, you know once you sack the food, you don't have to wait for wait to be able to make another food to activate the Gilded Goose again. Um, also, so and the reach lets you potentially chump things in the air and potentially swing back for lethal uh, in certain matchups. So, the main one in my head at the point at that point was um, spirits. Um, mm-hmm. In this event, I in the event that I actually tried Jasper Sentinel, I was expecting a lot more spirits, um, specifically blue white as opposed to band. Um, I was expecting a lot more of that than that actually appeared. Uh, so it didn't really do the job um, I wanted it to, and it probably should have been Gilded Geese um, <laughs> for the reason that Gilded Goose has flying. Um, and even though it's not dealing damage, it's more likely to stick around and be an evasive trigger for Winota. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact that it has flying on it, even though you are probably only getting one activation from it for mana, for your ramp, um, once it's done that job and you've played your chariot or you've played your Winota, you're probably not going to be tapping it for mana again. You're probably going to be using it to, I don't know, chump a phoenix or mm-hmm. chump a drake or chump a big spirit. Um, or you're just going to throw it away by... I say throw it away. It might not even get blocked because of the flying. Um, mm-hmm. you just use it as a trigger for Winota as often as you can. Yeah. So, okay, so let me see if I can yeah. Um, yeah, just center us here. Is that So first of all, high level, is there ever a definite better one or does it kind of depend, do you think? Um, I would be hard-pressed to say that there is a better one for certain 100% of the time. Um, I think it will vary based on what you're expecting to play against. Um, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And, and to summarize some of the pros and cons, so the Jaspera Sentinel, you're able to use it multiple times. So if you're doing something like an Asika's Chariot, it can help to have that red and white available the next turn. You know, if you're going turn three, turn four, uh, Asika's and then Winona's. Yeah. Whereas with the Goose, you're attacking as a flying creature, so you're more likely to be able to get in that attack, whereas Jaspera Sentinel will often be attacking and dying if you're doing that. Precisely. Um, another minor point you mentioned there, actually, um, in terms of Asika's Chariot, not only does it help you uh, cast it uh, faster in terms of ramp, um, but it, the fact it actually has one power... Um, hmm. compared to Gilded Goose's zero isn't actually um, like it is actually an important thing um, because Jasper Sentinel can potentially in some niche cases be used to actually crew your chariot um, it has come up before where if I had a goose in that situation I wouldn't be able to crew a chariot I wouldn't be able to make a token copy of mm. a wolf or something uh, or a voice of resurgence uh, token I think it was in a specific case I had um, mm-hmm. And it may it may have made the difference between losing that game there. So Got it. yeah, there have been situations where Jasper Sentinel has definitely been better than Goose. 
Um, but there have definitely been situations where Goose is better than Sentinel. So I would say look at how many flyers you're expecting to play against. Um, if you're expecting a lot of spirits, I wouldn't play Goose. Um, because you're probably not going to get the repeated triggers out of it that you'd want. Um, if you're playing against... Um, if you're expecting like less spirits, um, put in the geese because they should be able to attack safer. Um, mm. And I think generally the food may matter more as well. Yeah, and to re-emphasize your point there with Jesper Sentinel, you know, Gilded Goose of course can block flyers as well, but with Jesper Sentinel having one point of power, there's a lot of things like a two-one spirit that the Jesper Sentinel can threaten to block, and that makes it slightly better on the defense than the goose. I think was part of your point. Yeah, uh, yeah that's also true, yes. So uh, things like Mausoleum Wanderer, you can sometimes, uh, if they go for an attack with a Mausoleum Wanderer, um, they may potentially be forced to play things in their main phase, uh, Spirits players, where they wouldn't mm -hmm. normally want to. They'd normally want to hold stuff up to play in your turn, like a Spell Queller or a uh, Rattle Chains. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but and Rattle Chains, Selfless Spirit as well are two, are two ones. Yeah, so Rattle Chains, Selfless yeah. Spirit, Spectral Sailor. Um, there's mm. plenty of uh, one toughness flyers uh, in that matchup. All right. Okay. Th yeah. That so that kind of is the the ramp up of the deck is that this is a deck that's trying to play green creatures on turn one, get yourself to this four mana point, which is where the the big payoff is. Um, so the big payoff, like you said, Winota, and then Asika's Chariot is the other. Um, thing that's really become the the star of this deck almost absolutely um before uh Esker's chariot came out um i would mull extremely heavily um to a hand uh, that had either eldritch evolution in it or a winota uh, whether that meant mulling mulling down to three or four um so, you know as low as that i've mulled to try and find one of these because um, I feel like with the older builds pre-Chariot, um, you were pretty much Winota or Bust. You needed to get Winota with one or two triggers, put out an Angrath's Marauders because that was your best hit, um, and you ran four of them at that time, and that was your way of winning. Um, with Essica's Chariot, the amount of games um, that you can win um, without even seeing a Winota, without even seeing the card that the deck is named after, it's risen significantly just based on the pure power of chariot mm. that makes sense so let me kind of break this into three sort of parts here so the first thing is going to be you know, with with the winota and the asika's chariot the one other card there that kind of fits in that group is the eldritch evolution you know these are trying to be your extra copies of the winota and I do want to bring it up because a lot of the current decks are not playing Eldritch Evolution anymore. So it's something that I, I want to say, you know, when this deck first kind of came out, they weren't running the Evolution. Then they started running it and now it's back gone. So um, how do you feel about Eldritch Evolution in the current meta and what matchups or what, what what does it change for the deck to be running it versus not running it? So in my opinion... I feel like you should be running at least two copies. I, I really think it is one of the cards that makes the deck uh, as consistent as it as it is in its current iteration. Um, I've seen lists without it, um, and every time I've just thought, what cards can be dropped here to try and make space for evolutions? I, I want to try and find Winota, or I want to try and put a three cost into a Kenrith, or... You know, I just feel like there's so many options for the card. Um, the only thing I can think of in terms of uh, 
player's logic with not including it um, would be if there was an uptick in the amount of uh, blue uh, decks. So any anything that's running counter spells, basically. Um, it Nothing feels worse than uh, having a spell countered or spell quelled where it says sack a creature as an additional mm-hmm. cost to play this spell. Um, it's the worst feeling in the world uh, to the point where if I see a Hallowed Fountain, um, Eldritch Evolution is the first card I cut going to sideboard. Um, it, it never stays in if I, uh, if I see anything in terms of counter spells. Um, and actually, so this may be a response to the rise in blue-white control, as well as Phoenix right now in the meta, running a whole bunch of Aether Gusts in the sideboard. Yeah, mm. having uh, having Eldritch Evolution either gusted is uh, an awful feeling. <laughs> or even when you put your card into play and then you get it either gusted, right? Uh, that as well. Um, there's either Gust is just a very, very good card that... Um, I mean, you have to know how to play around it, and... To be honest, you have to be able to recognize if there are any situations where you can afford to play around it. Um, the card is just that good against this deck. Like, okay, that makes sense. So I'm going to segue us into one of the next of those three points. So we've got the Winota, we've got the creatures leading up to it, and then we need the Winota hits. So these Winota only finds humans, so you need to have powerful humans you're going to put into play with the trigger that make it worth going through all of these hoops to get Winota plus triggers going on. Uh, and then the final part we'll talk about is all of the other cheap creatures that you can run in order to get yourself more Winota triggers when you eventually attack. So but let's go to those payoff first. You'd already mentioned Angros Marauders as something that was being played in the deck at a lo- for a long point uh, as a four of. That one's a seven mana human that doubles damage that all of your permanents deal, your permanents are spells deal. And... Now, I think the one that people are mostly looking for, um, and again, is more maybe of a mid-range option, is this Tovalar's Huntmaster. Um, so do you want to talk about those and any other of the really good payoffs that you can hit with Winota? Absolutely. So if we start back from uh, when the deck kind of first sort of came to be, um, your main hits were... Well, your main hit will start with Angrat's Marauders, because that's the obvious one. Um, I think every version of the deck at that point ran four of it because it was in pretty much any situation where you were putting it into play from turn three onwards it was backbreaking um just uh, being able to double damage from any source um just and then not being able to get fatal pushed um we we don't have dismember in uh, pioneer um the, the amount of removal uh, that was available at the time to actually remove an angrath's marauders that had been cheated in at that point in the game was few and far between. Um, and the, the thing is, even if you are able to get rid of an Angrath's Marauders on the following turn, say you say you do manage to survive, you probably still have to deal with a Winota, um, mm-hmm. plus any other things that are still remaining on the board to let you trigger it again. Um, you're just in an mm-hmm. awful position if an Angrath's Marauders hits the board at that point. Um, so it was kind of seen as just the auto-include. Um, yeah, I do want to say, I, I believe I'd seen versions that were running Angrath Marauders as the only Winota hit outside of Winota itself, just because it was so all-in on finding Angrath Marauders to win you the game. I have seen those lists myself, and uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I do not agree with them. Um, but, yes, uh, I think we've grown from there, but <laughs> yeah. just giving that historical perspective. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, I remember seeing those lists and just thinking, well, I mean, Angrath Marauders is good, but y- you do need to be able to hit some other things. 
So I think people's attention then kind of went to, okay, so what are the best humans that we have access to in Pioneer? And the next one that kind of sprung to attention, I believe, was Kenrith, the returned king. Um, now, it's such an interesting card with so many activated abilities on it. Um, it just has so much versatility and could be good in a number of situations. Not to mention, it is it is a 5-5, five five, which is a very, very, you know, a good stat line, especially if you're cheating it in earlier than you're supposed to be. Um, but I think the the main one of the main uh, things that I found myself doing was I would kind of on purpose leave a red open for Kenrith's first ability. Um, Kenrith's first ability, I believe, was the one that kind of won me the most games whenever a Kenrith came out. Um, so for one red, you can give all of your creatures... Uh, no, you give all creatures, both yours and your opponents, uh, trample mm. and haste until the end of the turn. Um, and if you are able to get an Angrath's Marauders out as well, generally you've, you've, you've probably won the game there if you have the red to activate as well. Mm -hmm. um, just being able to trample over and double any damage that's, that tramples over is just too much. Way too much. So, I was going to say, the blue and the black activations never really come into play, do they? Um, funny well, they you can. should say so, that, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> this is one of my favourite parts about running Kenrith, uh, and it's actually uh, part of the reason that uh, I do try to include some copies of it. Uh, even if it's just the one copy, um, I do still try to run one copy, because I like to run uh, Mana Confluence uh, in yeah. my land base. Because it's uh, it's an untapped, like, it comes in untapped, which is the most important thing. But being able to tap for any one of your three colors is it's just so important for the deck. Being able to curve your one mana green spell into your green white, into your red green white. Um, potentially, you could even cast Blade Historian. It's uh, yeah, going off on a tangent there, but. Mana Confluence allows you to make the blue and the black for both the draw a card ability um, and the reanimate ability. Um, I have actually won games against... Um, is it Mono White? Uh, like the Angel Book combo, where mm -hmm. they aim to just put the counter on a Muta Vault uh, and then say, as long as this counters on my Muta Vault, um, I can't take... I, I don't die from damage or something along those lines. Um, yes. So using the blue ability of Kenrith for one blue and three generic, uh, you can make target player draw a card. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have won games where it's gotten to a board stall. Um, the white devotion player has set up their lock, uh, but they've not been able to attack through. Um, and I just keep gaining life with Kenrith. So that I can keep using actor, uh, I can keep using mana confluence and pinging myself to make blue and just make my opponent draw more cards than I am. <laughs> and uh, it's it's one of the more interesting ways I've won, but uh, it's you know it's a niche case, but it, it does come up every now and again. And just to bring up, you can also get the other colors of mana from your just pair of sentinels, your gilded goose, or the treasure from innkeeper. Mm -hmm. True, true. Like in the more recent builds, yeah, um, with the with the addition of those cards, you do have more access to. Um, I mean, gilded goose was always run; it was run previously, but with the addition of just pair of sentinel and prosperous innkeeper, you do have a lot more access to those uh, colors of mana. So, um, 
it's actually why uh, the deck... It's, it's one of the reasons why I chose to run less mana confluences in my list. Um, because I felt that uh, it, the cases where it did come up were niche, but not zero. Um, and if it did come up, then I may well have a... I, I do have more access to it in the form of Sentinel and Innkeeper. So I didn't feel the need to have uh, that many pain lands uh, in, my, in my land base, if you will. Especially with that many shock lands in the, in the base as well. Alright, so we talked about Kenrith, we talked about Ingress Marauders. Uh... Mm -hmm. So, in the, I would say the next sort of classification for humans coming in off of Winota um, would be humans that make non-humans. Um, and there's, there's... Yeah, and I, and I still think there's a couple payoffs worth mentioning. You had mentioned Blade Historian in passing, and I did want to make sure we touch on the Tovalar's Huntmaster. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I would say, to, yeah, Tovalar's Huntmaster is a strange one, because uh, while it does fit into the kind of humans that uh, replace themselves with non-humans and let you get more triggers... Um, it, it's also 10 power across three creatures when it enters, and if it's if it's nighttime, it's even more than that, wit plus a, an amazing activated ability as well. So I guess, uh, start with Huntmaster, I guess. Um, because Huntmaster on its own has been good enough to actually take up some of the slots that were previously only taken up by Angrath's Marauders. Um, Angrath's Marauders were run as a four of in early builds, now, some lists are running no Angrath's Marauders whatsoever mm -hmm. um, and are running four copies of Tovalar's Huntmaster. They're just playing completely to the board and trying to flood the board and go as wide as possible. Um, and it's 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 very interesting. Very, very interesting. I mean, it's basically like the uh, the black uh, zombie titan that we had back in what? In... Grave Titan. Grave Titan. Yeah, Grave yeah. Titan. It's a yeah. Grave Titan, but with uh, wolves. Yeah, yeah, wolf, wolf Titan. Yeah, sure. Titan. Um, <laughs> it's it's exactly like that. It's a, it's a six six that makes uh, two zombies slash wolves uh, when it enters. Uh, you don't get them when it attacks uh, unless it's nighttime. Uh, yeah. When you actually you do get the full Grave Titan uh, thing with the bonus of um, I, I think it's pace six. Um, I know it's an expensive so ability. Four, but it's only other werewolves. Oh, is it four? Yeah, it's four, four mana, and it's another target war for werewolves. Ah. So it can't, it can't itself fight, but it can. Uh, That's it. Make another one do so. But yeah, it, it sometimes lets you win some tricky combats, uh, being able to uh, just swing out uh, and then throw some wolves uh, at some of the blockers in such a way that it lets you trade favorably. Um, it's it's mm. a very very cool card and. Uh, it's it's definitely powerful enough to replace Angrath's Marauders, and I can see why lists have dropped it. Yeah, and this might be niche, but it is a human that, but the backside is not a human. So we may see this more with other werewolves. We'll discuss is that it can even trigger Renoda on itself, despite being a Renoda hit. Very important point, and uh, I think that will come up in later build when we look at a later build. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I think the last one you definitely wanted to mention was Blade Historian. I know you were still running a one-of. I think that most lists I've seen have dropped that a little bit, but it's still a card I quite like, and it kind of was a cheaper alternative to Angrass Marauders, but really only as a one-of. Um, so, yeah, that's right. It was something I wanted to try in this list as a one-of, actually. Um, so I, I believe before this event, again, it wasn't something I was I was running. Um, I was all in on Angrath's Marauders. Um, I think I may have still been running three copies of it, in fact, because uh, I just... that 
it, it was the most impactful card you could hit off, off of Winota, and I kind of thought about it in that sense. Um, Blade Historian, the fact that it's only four mana um, means that even though the mana cost of it is very awkward, considering you are a mainly green mana base, um, mm -hmm. sometimes you're not able to cast it on exactly turn four. Um, but there are situations where you do draw it and you are able to cast it um, on an already existing kind of good board and just push through the last part, last bit of damage. Um, there have been some lists in the past that I have seen that did try dropping Angrath's Marauders in their entirety uh, and running a full hmm. set of Blade Historian, but that did pass over quite quickly. Um, and I think it's for the simple reason that uh, Double Strike, uh, the ability on Blade Historian, does not stack in the same way that Angrath's Marauders does in multiples. Um, if you hit multiple Blade Historians, sure, you've hit another creature, but it's it's still only going to be four damage off of that Blade Historian, that extra Blade Historian. Um, yeah. Ang Angrath's Marauders grow exponentially bigger if you hit anything more than one um, and can just win the game on their own. It, it turns any of your elvish mystics that you're attacking with into suddenly, oh no, I have to block this, otherwise I'm going to be too low to come back or I'm just going to straight up lose. Um, mm -hmm. So the thing is, Blade Historian with Angrath's Marauders is something that I kind of thought of, well... Why don't we run some number of both? Because, I mean, if you do give double strike to an Angrath's Marauders, or if you give double strike to your creatures while you have an Angrath's Marauders out, you're just doing so much damage mm -hmm. um, to the point where... I don't know, like... It, it, just, it just seems like a no-brainer, yeah. yeah. It, just, it just seems like a yeah. no-brainer to me, and uh, I, was, I was unsure it, why it was dropped some of your. Yeah, it also lets some of your weaker creatures that are normally attacking into their deaths be able to just stick around because, you know, it's hard to block an Elvish Mystic when it can kill a two-power creature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Or a two-toughness creature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, sometimes they can just chump with, uh, I don't know, a Sylvan Charioted or um, their own two-twos off of Chariot or just something along those lines. But, uh, oh, actually, the specifically, um, Vampires... Um, I'd played against a lot of vampires, uh, mono-black vampires, uh, recently, and I found that uh, most of my opponents, uh, after game one, they, they realised what I was playing, and whether they won or lost, they mulliganed hard to Gifted Eitherborn. Mm -hmm. um, or Calipers, that card, or, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, so the, the two mana with, uh, it's a two mana two three with Death Touch and Lifelink. Now, mm -hmm. if they put that down on turn two, it's so hard for you to do any chip damage, um, except, uh, as I say, it's, it's so hard for you to do any chip damage on the turns leading up to when you Winota and swing out and try and get as many triggers as possible. Um, it just blocks everything super, super well. Uh, and Blade, having uh, the potential to hit a Blade Historian um, and let your thing survive um, to potentially have another go the following turn if they do survive is... It, it's been so good. It genuinely has been very good, and uh, I don't think there will be a time when I don't consider at least one Blade Historian. Mm -hmm. uh, especially because there are there have been situations where you can just Eldritch Evolution into a Blade Historian um, if you want to try and hit like a guaranteed lethal. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes there will be situations, and it's it's weird to say it, but like 
you know, Winota. It's it's a great card, and it's my it's one of my favorite cards printed in a long, long time. But she does miss sometimes. Um, you're not guaranteed to find a human in the top six cards of your library, um, no matter how many triggers you get. Uh, so you, everybody does get unlucky. So there may well be situations where you do want to Eldritch Evolution into a Blade Historian with a couple of creatures on board just to ensure that you have a safe lethal. Um, it has come up. So I think we've pretty much covered like every card. Um, well, yeah, yeah. We've so we've been covering the the big hits for Winota. I, I did want to just ask if there's any other fun. You know, big, big, expensive humans you've tried or wanted to try. Um, um you know, I can yeah, I was going to jump like, into I know we used to see. So. Yeah, go ahead, Ryan, if you want to start it. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, well, you have Elite Spellbinder in here. I know I've seen uh, some of the new decks using the new uh, Werewolf. That's kind of like a fiend hunter when it comes into play. No, Ryan, Ryan, you're killing. You're, no? We've got this whole thing set up. We're Dude? talking about like the big hits with like the four <laughs> to seven mana hits. Four to seven hits. What I was oh, I thought to, we were doing. Man, and, and then we were going to go. The next category was going to be all of the kind of two to three mana stuff that oh. you're setting up for your Winota here. Um, so just, you know, we've, we've talked about Total Loss Huntmaster. We've talked about the Ingress Marauders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I think I, I was going to just say back in the day, I, I know we saw some Hakdos. I know it was terrible on the mana, but I just wanted to give it a <laughs> shout out. Um, I, I also just wanted to see if you had anything else, dog, you wanted to uh, bring up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, it's, it's funny you should say Hakdos. Like, um, I've, I've never had that card work for me. Um, I've, I've tried it a few times because I keep thinking, oh, this is such a good hit. Uh, like, I'm probably never going to be able to cast it consistently. Um, like, early enough when I'd want to, I mean. Um, but it, <laughs> it's, it's just never I think I used to, to side it in in control matchups. I feel like those were yeah. where it, it kind of shined. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um, I think... My main choice for alternative cards at the time, there were two that I could think of. Um, I'll only go into detail on one, actually, because only one of them is four mana. Uh, and that was uh, Pia and Kirin Nalar. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a, a four mana 2 2 uh, that's a legendary human, uh, and it makes two 1 1 Thopters um, when it enters the battlefield. Um, and those Thopters have flying, which is incredible. Um, but it also does. Uh, it also has the benefit um, in matchups like burn, where you are strictly racing your opponent, um, just or anything kind of mid rangey where you're both trying to set up for. You're, you're both trying to play kind of more expensive creatures as fast as you can and just get in. Um, you gen- you're generally not blocking in those matchups. You just want to be racing and hitting hard, uh, hitting hard as fast as you can. Um, things like Pian Kiran Nalar. Um, if they get cheated in off, off of Winota, assuming your opponent doesn't have any trample creatures, you just get two free blockers um, that can then, even like if you're not using them to just chomp uh, and try again on the next turn with more triggers, uh, you get to attack with them again uh, with flying, which is generally just very good and le- obviously less likely to be blocked. Um, Question. Yeah, just the fact that it's a human that makes non-human tokens, um, that's one of the key points that led to me including it in the deck, because I feel like that's what makes the deck uh, good. And that's what made the deck playable for me back near the start of the Pioneer format. Um, It it was cards like that. So I got a question. Uh, This is 
I don't know if this is like a segue into like the next part, you know, with like the lower mana cost ones, or if this is a hit that you'd want to get. Um, and I guess it also depends on the build, but um, Tovlar, Dire Overlord, the new uh, legendary uh, werewolf guy that flips stuff, would that yeah. be considered something you'd want to like, uh, I don't know, sacrifice uh, a mana creature to get into with uh, Eldritch Evolution? Um, that's an interesting one. Um, there may well be situations where if you think your opponent won't have, like if you think you're in a matchup where they're not going to have three three damage removal or they're not going to be able to remove it easily, you may well want to mm. do that on turn two just by uh, play Mana Dork on one, sack your Mana Dork after tapping it for Eldritch Evolution, put out Tovalar. Um, that is a line that is viable. I don't know how often you would do that just because um, you, you are setting yourself back a mana um, and I feel like four mana is the sweet spot of the deck. Like mm -hmm. you want to get to four mana and keep four mana available um, as often as possible uh, for things like Chariot, for things like Winota. Um, yeah. If you're running Ranger class to be able to go cast Ranger class and level it up immediately. Um, just that there's so much uh, so much important oh also prosperous innkeeper um mm. that coming in uh then making a treasure and leaving you with three mana to uh, eldritch evolution immediately um that's also um a very key uh play pattern that comes up a lot so i, I feel like there wouldn't be many situations where you wouldn't try and put down a tovalar on turn two it's mainly there for you to hit off of winota it, yeah and just to refill your hand um, yeah exactly after you yeah after you after you do after you do a good chunk of damage it's there to refill your hand in case they do have a supreme verdict or an anger of the gods or something on their board that just dismantles your board and lets them survive yeah um, you, you, you don't want to have put out everything um on the off chance that you can't kill them that turn because you never know I, what you're going to hit off of winota yeah i've seen a lot of uh newer decks you know, I got a chance to play some paper the other week, and I saw like three different Minota decks, and one of them was running basically like all the new uh, werewolves, including Tovalar. So that's why I wanted to ask, you know, is it good? Um, funny you should say that. Um, I believe a list running a lot of new werewolves actually came uh, second in a Pioneer Challenge, and I, I don't know if it was this weekend just gone. First place, actually. Uh, five... They went five and one and won first place on. Let me see when this, what date this was. Oh, did they get uh, first place in the end? This one was. Oh, maybe this one was a little bit older. Let me see where this one was coming from. I'm looking at uh, Coco seven seven two one. I think they placed second on the seventeenth of October. That's Got it. Okay, you know what? He, uh, I think the same. Oh, so different player had a first place in on the second of October. So. Um, a couple similar lists here. And okay, now that I can finally jump in here, just wanted to set up the, the final part of it. And in some ways, this is the meat and potatoes of the deck is that you need creatures that are going to trigger Winota, and you also just want as much power as you can kind of fit in between those two and three mana slots. Um, what's nice are when you can get humans that are going to be Winota hits for when you don't have a lot of other things to hit. You know, you want to up those chances of hitting at least something. Um, but optimally, you want them to be humans that either make or become non-humans is, is the best there. Um, but other than that, there's a lot of things here that fit in uh, in your two and three mana slots, and that's what I want to hear about because I think that's where the deck has also changed the most. So now that I finally got a chance to jump in with that preface, now we can talk <laughs> about all the things we were just mentioning, you know, the Ranger classes, the Tovalars, the Brutal Cathars, mm. the Voice of Resurgences, 
this is that category. So yeah. I, I will pass it back to you. Now. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I, I get very uh, passionate talking about this deck. So uh, yeah, I, I could genuinely talk about this deck for um, hours on end. Um, so yeah, um, you're quite right. Um, th- those sort of filler slots between your Manadorks and between your Winota um, has changed significantly uh, since the deck kind of first came to be. Um, previously, um, one of my favorite cards to run was a card called Tithe Taker, which I don't think sees a lot of play in Pioneer anymore. Um, mm-hmm. It was a human with, um, I think the keyword was called Afterlife. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it's yes, uh, right. when it dies, you make a 1 1 black and white flying spirit. Um, so. Again, uh, I think it also has the ability, when it's out, um, your opponent's spells and abilities that they activate during your turn cost one more to do, uh, which is... Right, that sounds all right. I might call you that it might just be a white spirit, so I'm going to look it up right now. I think oh, it's white okay. Black. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, may, yeah it, it may well be just white, but... Um, yeah, uh, I, the colors doesn't doesn't really come up too often in Pioneer, I don't think. Black and white, you take it home. Oh, hey, I got it. <laughs> I did remember something correctly from that yeah. long ago. <laughs> I mean, I have slept since then, so I'm surprised I managed to get that right. But uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are still people that run that card, and I think that's kind of the difference between someone that's just went online and like grabbed something that they saw from the past, uh, as opposed to someone who's kind of like uh, up to date on the metagame. Yeah, and there again, this is a human that creates a spirit which is then later on a hit for Winota. And, and I think that part of why this might be seeing less play right now is that Tithe Taker was definitely a good option for your um, for your Eldritch Evolution, which if people are going away from, yeah. it makes less sense to play a creature that makes true. a token on death. Also true. Um, I think another uh, key reason uh, was because of the existence of uh, the Inverter deck at the time uh, when that saw play. Uh Generally, the inverter deck liked to just hold up mana on turns one, two, three, four, five, just mm-hmm. as often as they could and do everything in your turn, whether it's a kill spell, a counter spell, end step dig through time, end step opt, and anything like that. It would just try to do it all in your turn. Tithe Taker forced them to basically say, hey, if, if you're going to do anything like that manner efficiently you're gonna have to do it on your own turn tap out and allow me to just play to the board more um also being when in the combat phase when you attack with uh winota and several other non-humans and you do get tithe taker sometimes mm-hmm. if the opponent doesn't know that you're running tithe taker they may just say okay um just so that I can choose which of their non-indestructible creatures to kill if I'm going to be able to. Um, I'll wait and see what they hit to see if I need to or whether I'll be able to dig in their end step. Like, if I'm going to survive, uh, I can try and find a board wipe off a dig in their end step instead. If a Tithe Taker comes out, suddenly it just becomes a whole lot harder for them to do everything they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can just stifle... the like It just stifles their mana, basically. Um, so and that's coming from the fact that it's a human, whereas Voice of Resurgence is the one that sees a little bit more play now, is an elemental on the front side. That's right. Um, now, I think one of the main reasons Voice sees a lot more play um, is due to Essica's Chariot. Um, hmm. Essica's Chariot lets you copy oh, yeah. any token, not just the cat tokens that it spawns. And I have won games without seeing Winota, where I have only seen maybe Mana Dorks, 
a voice and a chariot. Um, nice. you, you, if you're able to copy an elemental, if if your opponent's playing a fair game like burn or some sort of mid rangey creature, just try and attack you. They generally cannot win if you double a um, elemental token. Um, it's it's it, it just becomes unwinnable for them basically. Um, yeah, exactly. Like it's it's just it's voice. Initially, I thought was very underwhelming, uh, and I would run Tithe Taker just for being able to cheat it out. And hey, if it dies, I get a spirit. It does it does a similar thing to voice. Anyway, it's fine. Um, it's it stops them. It potentially stops them playing spells they'd like to play instead of just I don't know giving me an elemental and then wiping my board on their turn anyway. Um, it's it's a bit different um, now with chariot. I'd much rather copy the elemental tokens. <laughs> Um, I guess the next uh, the next card in that sort maybe? of slot, yeah. yeah, I would say Spellbinder. Um, if you're looking at humans, where uh, okay, I'll reword I'll reword this. Mm. Um, I would say I would go as far as to say um, when the deck first started, you were probably losing if you were just casting the humans that you would like to hit off of Winota. Um, if you if that was your only play uh, that you were playing towards, you were probably doing underpowered stuff compared to what your opponent was trying to do. Um, hmm. However, as these humans that have been printed have gotten better, just better standalone cards, you potentially have games where you can just say, you know what, I don't have Winota or anything, but I do have a turn two Spellbinder, and I know that my opponent is running a deck full of interaction. Um there's been so many games against um, Blue-White is the specific one where they'll keep a seven with like maybe a couple of lands, but they'll keep it purely based of, I have a Supreme Verdict here for my turn four. Um, if you turn to a Spellbinder, there I don't think there's any way of countering it if you turn to a Spellbinder on the play in Pioneer. Um, so And being able to look at their hand and give you the knowledge um, of yeah. what's in their hand um, as well as being able to tax a a board wipe, it's it's usually just lights out because it is it's it's a three power flyer as well. Um, in the matchups where Spellbinder is good, it is really really good, um, and it's it's one of the it's one of the best non werewolf uh, humans um, to have been added to the deck in recent times. It's 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 just been incredible. The more I've played it, the more I've been like, where have you been? Um, I, why couldn't you've come out a year? Why, why couldn't you've come out a year ago? I, I, oh, I, I, I love Spellbinder. It's such a cool card. Hmm. Yeah, that's gonna... just something quick. Going to point out that's cool is you know we've got AFR cards in here. We've got um, Kaldheim cards. We've got Midnight Hunt cards. We've got Strixhaven cards. You know this is really a deck that's been picking up a lot of pits and pieces here and there in the last you know year of cards. Really, Finally, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the things I love about the Winota deck. It's uh, is it the 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 baseline for whether you can consider it for the deck is just like, is it a good human? Okay, is it in the Naya colors? Okay, sure. Um, is it if if it's a if it's a non-human, is it viable enough? Like, does it does it do things like haste to allow you to trigger a Winota? Does it make multiple creatures to allow you to get more triggers? There's just 
there's such a wide variety of cards you can look at for such a huge range of situations and metas where depending on how you build the deck i would hazard to say you could build a form of winota for pretty much any format um and really any, cool. any meta which yeah, yeah it's it's one of my favorite parts of the deck like you there's so many options you have and as as magic continues and as pioneer grows and more sets get added into the format it's the card pool that we get to choose from is just going to become bigger and bigger and bigger um if we were to have the same conversation next year um there may well be no more werewolf builds that are seeing play mm -hmm. but there may be something that's maybe i don't know 30 cards completely different but it still has the core kind of here's my mana dorks here's my winota here's my enablers here's my big payoffs just yeah it oh it's just so cool <laughs> so i i know like well so this is kind of I know if you want to talk more about the, the creature sets, cool. But I wanted to touch on the lands real quick. I know that before like hmm. the pathways come came out, it was kind of really hard to get that green, red, or white mana, you know, uh, in a timely fashion. Could you still improve the the mana base in the future? Can they still print better cards that would help you improve that? That's such a good question, and it is something I have thought of. Um, I I would say. Um, from a personal standpoint, um, building mana bases is not one of my strong suits. Um, so I would take I would take what I'm going to suggest with a grain of salt. Uh, if mm. I'm completely wrong, then just you know, you can shout at me later. But um, the the introduction of cards like pathways were so important because a comes in untapped, uh, b uh, just no damage. Um, mm -hmm. Before the introduction of Pathways, I actually have my old showcase list that I, I top for the showcase with uh, back on the 12th of July in 2020. Um, that ran copies of, it ran a copy of Fortified Village. Um, uh, it, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if people, I need to say anymore. I mean, people were also playing like four mana confluence at one time as well, I think. Yeah, right? yeah it had Super that in it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mana was tough at one point it was real tough when you didn't have oh, a, a yeah. tap green on turn yeah one. if you weren't two colors and i mean two colors in a good combination um your mana base was probably pretty shocking looking um like i mean i mean still now you still run like nine to ten shock lands i think in most winota lists i think that's kind of become the standard because i mean you have the benefit of playing them tapped later um or just to avoid damage if you're against like a really aggressive matchup like burn where those two points could matter but there are some situations where my old list ran two battlefield forge four mana confluence and 10 uh, sorry no 11 shock lands mm. um 11 so of the naya shock lands so it was a very painful mana base and i think that's one of the uh things that could be improved on where so say, let's say with, with the addition of cards like uh, Copperline Gorge, Razor Verge Thicket. Uh, do you uh -huh. call them fast lands? I don't. Yeah, fast I, I don't know lands. if that I think varies. Those are pain lands. Oh yeah, the, the allied fast lands would be nice. Yeah, th those would be absolutely incredible. Um, being able to mm. have those untapped for turns one to three, um, in combination with the pathways, I would say you could probably, you could you could potentially cut all of your shock lands or just run a couple of the really important ones 
And, uh, yeah, because your yeah. what's tough right now is that the only one you have access to is red, white, and most of your early plays want to be green. So those aren't the best in the deck, even though they're a fast land in your colors. Exactly. Knowing, now some players do run. Oh, sorry, no, go, Curry, go for it. I was gonna say, knowing wizards, probably we'll probably get the pain lands before we'll get the fast lands. Like we'll get the white green and the red green and stuff like that. Oh, like um, they never a give us lands. Yeah. Oh yes. no. Oh god, we'll, no. <laughs> we'll never get we'll never actually get the cards we want for our decks. We always get the ones that are like, oh well here's something similar. Yeah, I think we got the complete opposite of what we wanted uh in uh as a winnow to player, we got the complete opposite yeah. of what I wanted in uh Midnight Hunt where it's like, Oh, yeah. uh, as long as you've already played the this many lands, it'll come in untapped for you, that's fine. But it doesn't come in untapped on the turns where you really want it to. So that to give huh. you access to all of your colors early. <laughs> so maybe one day we'll get Razor Verge Thicket, Copperline Gorge, etc. But for now, we still have to make do with finicky mana bases, but not nearly as bad as it used to be. Um, yeah, so anyways, that was my segue. If you guys want to go back to talking about... Like, no, well, I do have one last land I just yeah. wanted to uh, to have you touch on, because I know people have asked about this, is Layer of the Hydra, I think, is one recent addition. Um, do you want to just real touch, quick touch on that? Because I think I've been seeing that as one of in most lists recently. Yeah, so Layer of the Hydra has been being played as a one or a one of or a two of, uh, I think, in some lists that I've seen from recent times that have, that have placed well in challenges, at least. Um and it's it's such an intriguing card um for a card for, for this deck to be running lands that only tap for one color um and can potentially enter tapped the ability on it has to be very very good um and in my opinion i think layer of the hydra is good enough to be ran whether it's more than one copy um, I'm not so sure. Uh, I would hazard a guess at no. I think the perfect number for this deck is one, um, just because being able to animate it as a non-human creature um, and potentially get triggers uh, off of Winota with it isn't something that can be ignored, to be honest. It's, it's a very good ability. Um, having it on a land lets it dodge removal. Uh, you could just activate it exactly when you want to, and if you are playing it on turn one, chances are if you have the curve you want anyway, you're probably playing a one mana green card. So playing it on turn one probably isn't even that bad. Um, it The only thing to consider there is it, it may not let you cast things like Minsk if you're running Minsk uh, or anything that's uh, too many different colors. Anything triple color or anything double red or double white uh, if you're running Skyclave Apparition. Going layer, mm -hmm. going layer of the Hydra into a one-mana dork that isn't a goose or isn't a Jaspira Sentinel, for example, um, you're probably going to struggle to play anything on your next turn that isn't also mainly green. Um, but it, it, but it's still definitely good enough to be ran, definitely. And uh, I'll I'll almost certainly be including one copy myself in pretty much any list I run in the future. Mm. Okay, last question on lands is, you know, 23, I think, is what the standard I've seen. Have you seen any strong reason to cheat lower on that or to go more if you're running a lot of mana sinks? Or is that kind of where you'd be comfortable or is right around that range? Um, so with 23, I don't... I'm trying to think. Have I ever played any different than 23 in the, in the amount of time I've actually played this deck? <laughs> I don't think I have. Um, I think it's just... 
it's just kind of been a given where somebody better at mana bases than me when I first found out about the deck um, went near the start of Pioneer, and I thought, oh, that's cool. I think they must have ran 23 lands, and yeah, it's it's just felt correct. Um, it's it's with 23 lands of the Naya colors, um, with mainly dual lands, chances are you're going to be able to cast. Um, any combination of colours on your turn three, assuming you have a mana dork out, you know, from either your turn one or two, um, chances are you're going to be able to cast anything that you'd want to um, from your hand at that point. Um, I'm not. I'm obviously not counting things like Huntmasters that you've drawn when you don't want to, or Marauders that have popped up in your hand and said, hey, I'm not in your deck where I want to be. Um, you know, anything you actually want to cast, 23 lands in the Naya colours will get you there. Yeah, and you know, I feel like that's something we didn't totally touch on enough, is just why people are going to Hunt Master, is that it's not so much that flipping off the top of your deck is better, but it's more that you can actually cast Hunt Master on turn 5 or turn 6, whereas it's very rare that you could cast the uh, Angrass Marauders. Yeah, um, funny story actually, I won games in the um, Mana Traders actual tournament after qualifying um because being able to go mana dork prosperous innkeeper jaspera sentinel some combination of that i cast tovlar's huntmaster on turn three multiple times that tournament nice um and i think any game i did that i won um just hands down um there, there, were, there were no situations where my opponent was able to come back from it um th- like huntmaster just won it on its own um if you had and Marauders in that situation. I can't think right now off the top of my head of any combinations that let you get seven mana with double red uh, in this deck on turn three. Um, but I, it also just isn't as good on the board as well. Um, you're, you're just playing a 4-4 that isn't able to attack, and you've probably tapped all of your board to be able to play it that early. If you put out a Tovalar's Huntmaster on turn three, you're putting out three blockers, one of them huge. Um, and it's just, even if your opponent deals with the Huntmaster, you've still got f- four more power in the form of two wolves. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But being able to cast it is a very, very real reason to consider Huntmaster over Marauders. Okay, uh, as long as we're doing a deep dive, you know, I know we're, we, we didn't tell, we told you we didn't take too much time, but we are uh, going pretty far on this. I did want to jump through some of the other two and three mana options, so maybe I'll go kind of rapid fire yeah. here. I just want to kind of shout out a name and see a Good quick one to... Yeah. Oh yeah, sure, you know, okay. Yeah, a couple, couple quick thoughts. So, Duskwatch Recruiter is one I've seen recently, and this is more in the werewolf version of it. Okay, um, in the werewolf version, uh, yes, because I think uh, you don't have many other werewolves that kind of fill in the two-mana, three-mana slot, um, that are viable, at least. Um, both sides of it are good. Um, if you're not playing the werewolf version, I would steer away from Duskwatch Recruiter, because I don't think it fills in the role... Um, I just think it gets outclassed in that mana cost by some of the cards like Voice of Resurgence. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about uh, Ranger class? Is that still werewolf only, or is that good regardless? Now, uh, Ranger class at the time when I first started playing it was uh, before a lot of the werewolves had even come out. Like They hadn't come out by the point I tried playing Ranger class, and I think the more I played it, the more it impressed me. Um, much better in metas where you're expecting more grindy matchups. Uh, if you're expecting lots of kind of removal heavy decks, uh, red black pyromancer, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. 
Um, I would highly recommend running Ranger class either in your main or your board specifically to bring in for that matchup. It's not just werewolf only, that one. Okay, cool. Um, how about, so three mana, uh, Brutal Cathar, is that werewolf only or is that just a good card? Um, so Brutal Cathar, um, I initially thought it was just werewolf only. Um, the more I see it played uh, across different formats, I've seen, I've seen it played in Legacy Taxes. It's insane. Um, <laughs> I, the more I see it, the more I think, you know what, this doesn't need to be in a werewolf shell. Um, in, that could take quite easily take up the slot where uh, your elite spellbinders would be as your three mana mm. human. Uh, only one white yeah. pip. Um, but in matchups where you really want to remove a problem creature from the board, even if it's only temporarily, um, rather than picking apart your opponent's hand. Um, if you're playing in a meta where you're expecting lots and lots of kind of creature play to the board matchups, um, play Cathar over Spellbinder, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed. Okay, and I want to go with that is Skyclave Apparition, is that only main board or is that only sideboard or could that be main? Like, where would you put that compared to Brutal Cathar? Oh, that's such a difficult one. Um, at <laughs> one time or another, I have mained uh, one, two, three, four copies of it, and I've also sideboarded up to three, I believe. Um, it's it's such a versatile card. Um, it It's a really hard one. Um, I would say um, sideboard... It should definitely always be a consideration for your sideboard if you have space. Um, it just gets rid of problem permanence. Um, things like Graft Digger's Cage, it's an answer to that. But it also has the benefit of just dealing with any creature that might kill you too quickly. Um, or just any uh, any three mana planeswalkers or something like that. Like uh, It gets rid of Sorin uh, without having to attack into a uh, Gifted Eetherborn, for example. Um, hmm. Yeah, and anything like that, um, Skyclave Apparition is a very good consideration. Okay, so th that's a good point, is that it also takes care of non-creatures, whereas Cathar is kind of your answer for some creatures. Yeah, correct. Uh, Brutal Cathar is pretty much only if you're expecting creature-based matchups. So uh, I I'm seeing a lot of red-green mid-range, for example, recently, so... Um, yes. like, yeah, <laughs> uh, being able to hit like your lovestruck beasts and things like that, and just uh, or any big four cost creatures, questing beasts. Um, I'm trying to think of the other one. Um, what's the other? I guess, I guess I've seen some Sorak being played and like the Bonders, that bo that that mm -hmm. other deck as well. Um, just just any creature that's your opponents put out quickly, um, and it's trying to do a similar plan to you. Um, this lets you race them. And, and it also has play into things like in soul and spirits, which don't have a lot of interaction. Um, yes. it even, and it's not dead in the Phoenix matchup. Yeah, there's a lot of things I like about the card too. Yeah, so. it's been brilliant. Yeah, uh, being able to get rid of a flipped thing in the ice, give it back to them if they do remove the Cathar, which they probably will. They have lots of removal. Um, I believe it returns it back to the board unflipped with four counters on it again, and they need to go through yes. it all again. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. token makers at three mana I want to name five of them but I'm going to name them real quick goblin rabble master legion uh, war boss mm -hmm. I feel like have dropped off uh, and with those we used to see thopter engineer we used to see Pia Nalar yep, yep. Uh, and now the last one that's kind of holding on is Minsk um, <laughs> how do you feel about a token maker at three mana and what if any is the best of those 
Oh, it's such an interesting one. Um, I feel like um, an interesting point to note about those token uh, makers is some of them um, are humans themselves, which gives them, in my opinion, more viability. Um, because, you know, you, you're able to, especially in the case of uh, PNLR specifically, because it's a, it's a human, makes a non-human, but it also has those activated abilities that you can use during combat potentially before blockers are declared or after blockers mm. are declared to pump an artifact creature. Um, I think it can pump chariot. Um, things like that could possibly come up. Um, I'm not 100% sure on the reason why they've dropped off, to be honest. Um, I have noticed myself the deck has evolved further away from these three mana red cards um, and has kind of gone more towards the um, Skyclave Apparitions uh, for a time, that was maned for a time, um, the Elite Spellbinders. Um, the only thing I can think of is that um, there may have been a downshift in the... Um, sorry, in the matchups where one-for-one -one removal was being used a lot... Um, and more matchups where sweepers were more prevalent. Um, and due to things like that, um, things like uh, Fire's decks running Supreme Verdict, Anger of the Gods, uh, things like that during that time, um, the Goblin cards weren't as good about that because you didn't have any other creatures afterwards. Things like Spellbinder, if you were spending the same three mana to cast a Spellbinder, there's always a chance that you're getting rid of their only sweeper. Um, and that mm. kind of gives you some play in those sort of matchups. Um, that's the only interaction I can think of right now um, as to why the goblins may have kind of, and the other three mana token generators may have slipped off the map a bit. Okay, I've got maybe three more most at tops. Um, one is Selfless Spirit, is one that I missed at two mana. Mm. Um, um, that's an interesting one, because uh, that saw play for a, a little while um, near the start of the format, I believe. Um, I know I was playing it. I, I was really big on the card. Um, but I think... I think that, that card gets worse the more flyers there are in the format. Um, because mm. you're... It, it's much better when you are able to get in some attacks with it as well um, because those two two damage flying attacks in the cases where you don't quite have Winota yet, they do add up. Um, with uh, I think the reason it's seeing a bit more play now is with Phoenix being, in my opinion, the best deck um, and that having main deck sweepers to kind of help keep it alive um, until it can start flipping thing in the ice and bringing back phoenixes um self of spirit obviously gives you game against main deck sweltering suns and anger of the gods um so that, that makes sense yeah. I, i'd add on to that that blue white has been the most popular control deck now so when yeah. we had shadows verdict it didn't help much to have selfless spirit but if we're seeing more supreme verdict that might make more sense that's right yeah um with lots and lots of five color niv um as well um shadows verdict was one of the main kind of removals of choice in that deck being able to bring to light into that um, and just exile everything um, means that Selfless Spirit is useless in those situations. So, yeah, with Supreme Verdict and damage-based sweepers being the sweepers of choice, um, Selfless Spirit makes a lot of sense. And I can see why it's being played. Yeah, one, more, 
one more real question and then a fun of is so Arcanomeria. I've seen that in the main deck. What is the reason? Do you think main or sideboard or neither? Um, so previously, the reason to have run it in the main board was um, against the Lotus Field deck specifically. Um, I did have periods where I main decked that card specifically because that matchup was so prevalent. Um, any other time, so what I would about say sideboard? Is it good enough? Okay, so is it good enough in like Phoenix, Niv, or Jun Citadel that you'd want it main? Um, I have tried it um, against Jun Citadel, but I found that generally um, they're able to quite easily um, organize boards with um, Priest um, and Mayhem Devil uh, or Fatal Push or Binding of the Old Gods. And generally, if you do resolve an Archon they're probably able to get rid of it on the turn that they want to anyway. It's It struggles in that matchup. Um, it's definitely feasible in Phoenix, um, against Phoenix, because it's it's like a must-remove card for them. The issue is, it's only three toughness. Um, and the fact they run these three damage sweepers means that not only can they get rid of that when they want to, they're probably getting rid of most of your board as well. Um, so even if you do play it to kind of slow them down, it only slows them down if they have multiple um, single target removal spells as opposed to a sweeper. Okay, la last one is just for fun is, uh, this is a card I'd really hoped was going to work and then it didn't show up at all, is Venerable Warsinger. Do you, do you know that one? Um, I bought a playset. Uh, I pre-ordered a playset <laughs> on release, go. I believe. Um, I am thinking of the right one, aren't I? The three mana white and red spirit where if it deals damage, yes. you bring back a... Uh, a, a cmc creature oh, equal to its damage wow <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah um i bought four copies of that on release and uh they have sat in my box since um they i've not used them once um i had them in my sideboard i think for a little while um i would bring them in for things like um mid-rangey matchups i think i'd bring it in against burn as well just because it was a three mana three three uh, so it blocked and any vigilance and tramples. Yeah, so, anything yeah. that was anything with vigilance was good in that matchup. Um, so I'd bring it in there, but it would, and I don't know if it was. I think it's because you don't have a lot of removal yourself. Um, mm. So you're not. You're generally. It's generally quite hard to connect with it um, when you want to. Um, so it, it was never as consistent as I wanted it to be. So I, I would I would say it's a no as much as I wanted it to be good. <laughs> okay, perfect. I had to at least suggest one bad card or this wouldn't be one of our episodes. <laughs> um, all right. I, let me know if we're running you out of time here, but I did want to touch on the sideboard and maybe even a couple of matchups. Is there anything really big that's, I think, changed or in the sideboard? You know, maybe people can go to you and say, hey, help me out with my sideboarding. But are there any cards you think aren't being played enough or any cards that are really important for certain matchups that you really want to call out in your sideboard or in the sideboards you've seen uh, yeah um i'm absolutely i'm not running out of time i was i was worried about running oh, you guys sure. out of okay time, perfect so <laughs> I, i've got all night no uh, no no you're good so okay in yeah, we, don't, we of... don't want you to fall asleep on us that's why <laughs> oh no 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 i'm fine i might be the first one who's gonna have to drop if uh yeah <laughs> I, i'm actually gonna be running out of time here shortly so we'll, we'll start to wrap it up here of either course. that or i'll send it to ryan to uh to do the wrap up I'll, here. i'll get uh, i'll get the sideboard discussed quickly uh in terms of sideboard cards that uh, i initially thought i was the only one playing um rest in peace was such a big one for a while 
um, I felt like for for some reason, uh, rest in peace just didn't make its way into Winota sideboards, and I, I I don't know why that was because there would be there would be so many matchups against um, red black in particular. That matchup is super difficult because they have thought seizes to take away your four mana payoffs early. They have so many spot removal cards for anything that you try to set up on board. Um, it's super hard to deal with. Um, with Rest in Peace, you shut off the Dreadhorde Arcanists, you shut off the Croxers, you shut off most of what they're trying to do. So I feel like that card was criminally underplayed until recently, uh, and it has started popping up again, though I think that that even might just be because of Phoenix uh, and not being able to bring back Phoenixes, um, to be honest, uh, which which is so strange because uh, every time I brought it in in the matchups I wanted it, it overperformed. It was amazing. Um I guess another one that uh, I used to run um, a lot was um, Skylasher. Uh, that card, I think, sees no play anymore. Um, and I, I don't think it's as good anymore. But when people weren't expecting it, Skylasher was incredible. Um, especially because during uh, Inverter format, one of the best... Uh, answers uh, to Inverter at the time was Bant Spirits, like Bant Company Spirits. Um, Skylasher just blocked safely. Um, like, m pretty much anything in their deck due to protection from blue. Um, so it stuck around, and it was usually there as a non-creature to attack with your Venota and get more triggers. So that card overperformed for me near the start of the format. Not so much anymore. Uh, I think that card's kind of been replaced with, like, if you're expecting lots of spirits, I think Rending Volley is seeing a lot more play now. Um, and even Spellbinder, to an extent, lets if you play it early enough, it lets you block their flyers. Uh, it trades really well with their flyers, um, assuming they don't have too many lords. Um, and it also gets lets you look at their hand and give you the option to play around any Lofty Denials and Spell Quellers. All right. All right, Ryan, did you have any other uh, last questions here? You know, I, f I can maybe ask one more thing. Uh, I don't know if this was on your checklist of what you want to talk about. I, is The one thing I really want to hear about was Phoenix. Um, I know that it's a deck that you'd struggled with a little bit when you were doing Mono Traders, and I'm wondering if any of the newest additions to the deck help in that matchup specifically, because I think that's that's probably the most popular deck in the format right now. And with Winota being so popular, I'm wondering how that matchup is head-to-head. Were you going to say this something, sir? I was going to say, well, this, this is going to be a good uh, kind of uh, setup for, like, I wanted to just go over the, the matchups against the top-tier decks, and we can start with mm -hmm. Phoenix, as uh, Kevin said. Perfect. So after that, maybe you can kind of just go over real quick what are the good matchups and what are the bad matchups for uh, Winota, and maybe kind of explain why. why. Okay, so in my experiences, um, I would say Phoenix is one of my poorest matchups as a Winota player. Um, mainly due to just having lots and lots of spot removal um, and the fact that one of their main win conditions um, just bounces your entire board. Um, just <laughs> the fact that Thing in the Ice um, is able to just return everything you've been doing for the first three to four turns back to your hand as though it never happened is just backbreaking. Um, you're very much a snowball-y deck as the Winota player, and you aim to just put out as many non-human creatures as you can in the early turns, 
slam a Winota or a Chariot and just keep snowballing from there until you do enough damage to win. Um, Thing in the Ice blocks so well early, um, and you don't really run things like Bone Crusher, Giant, Stomp, like for, for Stomp, um, to be able to let your smaller stuff trade with the Thing in the Ices. And it just, by the time you're able to do potentially get lethal it's flipped uh, and then you need to set up again um so i'd say that phoenix is probably your worst matchup um okay. your like your main other bad matchup i would say is probably um there's two i think that spring to mind one of them significantly worse than the other um black red midrange is the other one so the red black pyromancer with the lurus um, for the reasons I stated earlier, I won't go into too much more detail, but it's basically force easy threats, kill your creatures, um, mm -hmm. and just snowball you with advantage. Um, that's why that's rough. Um, Niv to Light is the other one, and it's it's weird because it's it's I think it's quite play draw dependent, um, and it also depends on the hands and skill in general of your Niv opponent. Um, if you're playing against somebody like Claudio. Um, yep. who knows what they're doing uh with niv like i mean if if, if if i mean if you can think of any niv player you'd think of claudio right um <laughs> like i've lost to him more just times skip. just skip if you're playing against claudio yeah <laughs> like i've stolen a couple of cheeky wins off him um huh. with this which we've joked about um and i think that's what's kind of led me to thinking you know what this matchup is still bad but it's not as bad if you're yeah. able to get if you're able to just mulligan well enough into a super fast hand um because generally their early turns revolve very much around tap land nothing on one they, they're going to want to triome on one um sylvan carrioted on two or sometimes if you're very lucky they just won't even have carrioted which sets them back so much um and you have to you have to hope that they haven't kept a lot of spot removals in hand and they've just hit a lot of their their more expensive cards in hand that they're not getting to play. Mm -hmm. um, you will lose to Niv, though, if they do keep their hands with early things like Abrupt Decays, Dread Bores. Um, if they can then do that and back it up with a Bring to Light, it's usually very hard to come back. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I say it is a bad matchup, but it's not un it, it's it's not kind of verging on unwinnable like it is with Phoenix specifically. Um your best matchups now. Um unfortunately I think one of our best matchups um isn't actually seeing a lot of play anymore. Um one of the main reasons to play this deck near the start of the format um was Inverter. Um, the matchup against Inverter was incredible um, because uh, at that time you, you played your uh, three mana goblins um, and they played a lot of spot removal. They couldn't um, be pushed. It couldn't, yeah. be, it couldn't be pushed outside of them specifically having Fabled Passage. Um, that was their only way of being able to do that. Um, and it would just kind of keep adding stuff to the board uh, until they have to tap out to answer it with something like a um, uh, Extinction Event. That's the name of the card. I've been trying to remember it all night. Um, <laughs> so Extinction Event. Um, they'd tap out for that, and you would just play two or three other creatures, and you'd just say, okay, if you tap out for Inverter at any point and don't win, I'm just going to resolve a Winota or an Eldritch Evolution, and you're going to lose. Um, 
the other best matchup for this deck is still legal in the format, um, but it's not seeing nearly as much play. It's a Lotus Field combo. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually getting, it's getting more popular again, I think. I can imagine it's probably going to get a bit more popular in paper tournaments with the release of the yeah. Pioneer Challenger decks. Exactly. Um, I think that got released today, maybe? So it was the fifteenth, might have been last week. I know they had some special oh. events last weekend. Oh, so. maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe it well, maybe it did. Um, I, I know that a few of my friends have ordered specifically the Lotus Field mm-hmm. one, saying, "Oh, now that this is out, uh, I hope we, I hope they start doing Pioneer FNMs uh, at my local." And uh, it it warms my heart hearing it. Um, but yeah, uh, onto the subject of Lotus Field specifically. Um, in the nicest possible way, the deck doesn't really do anything uh, to stop you. Um, it doesn't interact with you. It's just trying to do its own thing. Um, you both goldfishing, and you can goldfish faster, basically. Precisely, yeah. Um, if you hit the cards you want to, you're a turn three deck. Uh, turn three Winota with one or two triggers. Generally too much to deal with, especially if it's like an elite spellbinder or something, um, looking at their hand and taking their best card. Uh, the addition of spellbinder made it even better. Um but yeah, generally they would they would just take too much damage and not be able to combo off. Um, yeah, um, against most of the other uh, against most of the rest of the format, I would say you're close to even. Um, so like spirits or yeah, blue spirits. Okay, so spirits maybe slightly unfavored, but depending on the hands they keep, um, mm-hmm. if they keep a very interactive hand with lots and lots of. Um, say quellers or rattle chains lots of stuff where they can represent counter spells um and just play in your end step if they counter your stuff you're you you're gonna struggle because spell queller mm-hmm. does hit both winota and chariot you you can't you you can't really play around it unfortunately you just kind of have to play into it hope they don't have it and if they don't then great if if they do it sucks um yeah. And I think that's that's the main awkward bit. Um, generally, if you are able to resolve a Winota, you're probably going to win, because outside of Skyclave Apparition, which I'm not even sure all Spirits lists are maining uh, multiple copies. Um, I think some of them just have them in the side. I don't know if that's a current thing or whether that's... I don't know whether that's kind of showing how recently I've played the format. But... Yeah. Um, I feel like outside of Skyclave Apparition, they can't really get rid of your stuff once it's on the board. And from there, mm-hmm. they struggle. Um, so, yeah, like once once you've resolved a Winota, anything becomes a threat. Uh, an Elvish Mystic becomes an issue for them because that's just a trigger which they can't interact with. So I think yeah. there's one more possible matchup I wanted to, to ask you about, and that's the Jun Citadel one with Mayhem Devil peeing everything. <laughs> um, is that a problem for you, or is that okay? Um, it's an interesting one. Um, by the time that boards like that become relevant, um, you'll you either <laughs> you'll, you'll hopefully have won by then, yeah. or you'll have put out enough stuff, um, like too many wolves off of chariot, or like the cats off of chariot, or wolves off of Tovlar, where even mm. if they can get rid of some of it they're probably getting rid of a lot of their resources and blockers to get rid of not all of it. Um, So I think it's not as bad as you first think, even though they are able to ping a lot of your mana dorks. 
um, mm. especially post board, um, you side out a lot of your one toughness creatures. So you side out uh, actually, or at least I do anyway. I've found that I've had the best results siding out a lot of my mana dorks, uh, a lot of my uh, elite spellbinders, uh, anything that's one toughness, um, and just kind of bringing in anything big I have, um, and Yashan. Um, mm. Yashan well, is yeah. incredible in that matchup. Um, and you can also yeah. uh, use the Eldritch Evolution, right? To grab that. Um, so I actually side out Eldritch Evolution when I bring in oh, Yashan okay. for that reason. Um, because it is a dead draw if you do have a Yashan. You, set, you get it afterwards, um, yeah. Okay. There also are situations yeah. where if your opponent has Mayhem Devils, you don't necessarily want to be sacking your own stuff. Um, true, true. Because they may get free pings and just get rid of some of your mana dorks or things like yeah. that that you have out. It's Okay. It's a little awkward with interactions like that that do come up, but yeah, generally I'd say it's close to even, that matchup. Alright, so I, I just got a message from uh, my co-host Kevin. He said his wife just got out of work and he had to run to go pick her up at the train station, so uh, it looks like I'll be closing up our topic today. Was there anything else you wanted to say as far as like the sideboard or matchups or anything like that? Um, as far as matchups go, uh, not really. Kevin Nothing that I can think of. Yeah. Um, I guess um, just as a general note, um, it's it's made me so incredibly happy um, to see not only this deck get played as much as it has, but mm -hmm. the variations that have come from it. And oh, the yeah. fact that so many different people are all kind of uh, putting their chips in and saying, oh... What if we tried this? What if we don't? What if mm -hmm. we run Ranger class instead of um, Eldritch Evolution? Uh, what if we go fully Werewolf? Um, what if we run a sort of half and half where we have Evolutions, Marauders, and some of the Werewolves? Um, and just it's so it's so cool to see this much variety and to see people, other people, um, experimenting with the deck. And my hot take is that they're probably all similarly similarly powered as in you could probably it, it maybe only to like a few percentage but you could probably win about the same percentage with all those types of builds i think they all have a good solid core and they all do their things very well just a yeah. little bit differently yeah absolutely um i would say the majority of like in terms of the skill with the deck um the the majority of it comes down to the mulligan decisions um mm -hmm. and the situations where you're not just all out attacking with Winota, you because they they're going to be able to block and just chump and quite easily kill the things that you're, you're enablers if you will um yeah so in matchups where you're not guaranteed to get the kill you have to be able to work out the probabilities on the fly pretty quickly mm -hmm. of okay so I, what am i what are my most likely hits um, if I do get that, what, where does that put me on board? Um, what are their best blocks if I do get this? Um, does it leave me dead on the crackback if I miss? Um, can I potentially win from here if I high roll? Is it worth the risk if I do? Um, See, I, have, just, yeah. I just rolled the dice. <laughs> <laughs> that type of yeah. I think that's yeah. what makes the difference between the better players with this deck that put up the results um and yeah. the people who are just kind of copying the deck lists because uh they really you really think it through 
yeah i feel like you kind of have to yeah i feel like there are situations where you a a better player may not just all out attack with everything and keep some stuff back because they know that you know based on what opponent's playing or you know based on what you know you still have left in deck you know that you'll be fine to potentially just come back uh and do do more the next turn you know okay. like it's it's being able to pace your threats um mm-hmm. and predict kind of the possibilities of your hits off of winota that's where okay. a lot of the skill comes in got it, got it all right well uh i think we're gonna wrap this up here so let me just kind of do some shout outs and stuff so again uh we are the first pioneers you can find us at uh, twitter at mtg pioneer we also have a link to our discord uh in our twitter profile you can jump in um, on there and uh, kind of join the discussion. And also you can find me, Ryan, uh, at, on Twitter as at, uh, as well at uh, Yoshwanky. So Y-O-S-C-H-W-E-N-K-Y. Uh, how about you, Steve? Do you have any promotions, any shout-outs? Do you want to share your socials? How can people contact you? Uh, yeah, of course. So uh, my my Twitch is uh, Nobody Knows I'm a Dog. Um <laughs> with the uh, capitals on each new word uh, i don't think the capitals matter but yeah my but my, t- my twitch is that my twitter is at no one knows i'm dog so it's slightly different um <laughs> yeah it's it's a little different but that also has a link to my twitch there um i'm not streaming as much magic as i'd like uh, right now due to working full-time and doing university part-time but mm-hmm. um, I am trying to make some time on weekends to do some streams on Sundays. And it'll usually be Winota in Pioneer for a couple nice. of leagues. So if you fancy dropping in, come and say hi. Um, tell me whether you agree or disagree with anything you've heard tonight. And uh, I'll be happy to debate with you and tell you why you're probably right. <laughs> and one question about your name, no one knows I'm a dog. Is that kind of a play on the no one knows I'm a wolf uh person no it isn't actually it's uh it's from an (laughs) it's from an ancient meme um from uh, an old newspaper (laughs) where i think near the beginning of the internet kind of becoming popular um Uh an american cartoonist it may have been for the new york times actually um drew a cartoon of uh, a dog uh sitting at a computer um and it says to another dog on the internet no one knows you're a dog um, that's funny and that that's just all it is it's just uh the concept of oh nobody knows who you're really speaking to online oh it, it could even be a dog um <laughs> it's just just from that really old cartoon from a new york times I that see. i found uh, i thought i thought it was quite funny and uh i like dogs a lot i think dogs are great um <laughs> do- dogs are better than cats sorry just saying <laughs> hot um, take hot take yeah <laughs> But yeah, I think that's pretty much me, uh, Twitch and Twitter. All right, great. Well, again, thanks for stopping by. And this is Ryan signing out for the first Pioneers today. Everybody, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, thanks for having me.